Hi, and welcome to the RPG Academy Show and Tell. Show and Tell is a show where we like to bring on someone in the RPG space and talk about something cool they're working on. I'm Mo. And today we're talking to Laszlo Tamashvi, designer of Pot People, the RPG. My name is Laszlo, and I am a horror writer. That is uh, sort of my way into the RPG design space. And Pot People is a game, an experimental horror zine about a body snatching alien invasion where you get to experience this alien copying people, taking over their bodies, taking their place from the creature's point of view. So that is the part that got me excited about figuring out how to crack this idea. And it turned out to be quite a, an experimental and fun brief RPG that uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, that landing nice. wasn't that great, but I'm yeah, giving yeah. you a lot of homework to edit. I apologize. It's okay. Um, it's funny because uh, the pod people reminds me of a movie from way back in the day. And I feel like there have been a couple of movies to come out recently that um, have really brought back the idea. I don't know if you saw the movie um, Us by Jordan Peele. Yes, a fantastic or movie, movie. Or the movie They Clone Tyrone. No, I haven't. Very much yeah. got has a pod people feel to it. Um, why did you get into game design? I'm well. The short answer is that uh, I always approach writing as like I always had sort of a creative bucket list, and I started making comics, uh, quote unquote, professionally about 10 years ago. And then uh, eventually I shifted towards doing small press publishing and did some translation work. And I always wanted to make role-playing games. I was an avid gamer in the 90s when I was a kid. It was probably the most important thing in my life back then. and. I sort of, during the pandemic, I uh, reconnected with my high school friends. Uh, we never lost touch, but we started Skyping weekly and we never stopped. And very quickly we started brainstorming about game ideas. And around the same time, I discovered the zine, the independent zine culture within mm -hmm. the role-playing game space. And that just ignited my imagination. I sort of, uh, I was blown away by the spectrum of games that are out there. And I realized that you can genuinely try anything. And if you want to make a game where you're an accountant and you're just logging numbers for hours, somebody will love it. And you can put thought behind it and explore any weird idea you have and that's what i try to do nice yeah the there's a level of experimentation in zine culture that i imagine you know the zine culture 
that sprung back up during COVID is going to really impact games like kind of, I'm going to say bigger games because um, there's some awesome zine games that I've seen and played in, but um, I think we're really going to see that DNA and um, kind of bigger, more mainstream games down the road because just people have been doing like, as you say, all kind of cool, weird stuff. And, you know, they're trying to get at something. And oftentimes the thing they're trying to do is something that you don't find in, you know, your mainstream. I think I've heard of called AAA games. Um, what kind of experience is somebody going to have playing pod people? Yes. Yeah, so I don't even have, I don't actually remember what made me think about what the game would be like my first memories like already trying to figure out how to <laughs> what would a an intriguing game be set in this premise within the premise and i really wanted to focus in on the social aspect of the body snatching i didn't have a lot of interest in making it a game of action where you're physically overpowering people, although that is a little bit part of the game. I wanted it to feel almost a personal horror and the game really focuses in on the disconnect between you and the world you're trying to pretend to be part of. The Even the mechanics are really sharpened to poke at the at this disconnect uh, because you don't quite understand humans. You don't really, you weren't designed or your evolution as a space organism really probably meant for you to replicate animals and that type of creatures. And once you enter this human sphere, sort of understanding the complexity of social clues and uh, just how layered humans are and how difficult it would be to actually blend in as a brand new organism dropped in from the outside. So that, that's the part that intrigued me and that's probably what the experience will be too. It's a little bit of a personal horror. Of course, you are playing the creature, but you're also navigating this society where you're trying not to be othered and not to be found out. So not intentionally, but it's a little bit of like a, an immigrant experience game almost, but that's how it came out. But yes, it's a social, social anxiety game in a sense. Nice. Um, I keep hearing the you in it. Uh, is it a solo RPG? Uh, it just, the idea definitely came up and hopefully down the road in the near future, I, I will have time to focus on cracking the solo gotcha. aspect of it. I, my previous RPG design was a journaling game mm -hmm. and I loved that people can just do it on their own. So it's definitely exciting. So when you say the you in this, you're talking about a party of people 
who are aliens trying to fit into society. Is that it? Well, yes, but there's another layer to that question too. That's a great question because all of the players, so this can be played with one GM and one player or as a more traditional party with four or five players, but every player plays the same organism, just different body doubles, just different. And there's there's a way to do it. There's also mechanics. When at one point there will be more doppelgangers than players, and there's sort of the idea is just to shift to where the action is. So there will be a, a little bit of that experience of being dropped into a doppelganger situation, and you have to make it work. Cool. Um, you said this is a zine game. Now, I have read a couple zine games, but maybe everybody's not familiar with that. What does that mean to you? Uh, to me, and I will preface this, that I, I was never overtly precious about the technical definition. I, I think zine games go even as far as like the binding type and size. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, what zine games mean are just sort of almost booklet-like, the 24 to 30 page Mm. uh, game. And as a designer, also what it means to me is that it's more, uh, you can try things that might not work if you're trying to expand it into one of these form book size hardcover books that maybe not everybody would invest that much energy and time into. Right being a pod person for a little bit, but so it's a vehicle for stranger ideas and weird stuff, nice. stuff I like. Yeah. Nice. Um, how do the players get into the game? Um, what kind of stats do they have? What kind of moves do they make? Yes. Yeah, so there's almost a session zero that comes with the game, mm-hmm. or it could be just the whole chapter. So it doesn't necessarily have to escalate from there, but the player or the players sit down and they don't have any previous knowledge of the person they're going, they're, the organism they're playing copies. So the GM gives them a brief introduction and almost like a, a description of where we are, this is who you are. And the what the players have are certain drives and instincts that tells this organism what to go for. So the, the very first instinct is to replace the person you copied. And it's a little bit graphic. This is where it becomes like a real personal horror because you do have to overpower that person. You have to, well, this sounds weird, but you have to stuff them into the pod you grew out of and that Mm -hmm. will shrink them down into this suitcase size remains that you could hide. So your initial drives are very practical. I wanted to help ease the players into this almost abstract game by making sure it starts with like, 
nobody should be wondering what they're supposed to do. There are these very specific directives that I almost say it's almost like when a, a bird has the instinct to build a nest. It's not right. really conscious. It's just a very, it's an organism thought. And, mm -hmm. and from then, uh, that session zero setup allows the players to get the hang of it. And then it expands from there. Nice. Um, what are what are the first couple scenes? I'm just curious. Oh yes, so this is all. It comes from sort of my background in uh, gaming when I was uh, growing up in Hungary. We didn't have a lot of source books mm -hmm. at all available. Things we could find were in English, and we didn't speak English, so it was a lot of time spent over dictionaries and. Usually we just ended up reverse engineering things from a character sheet and just coming up with our own things. Right. And, and sometimes it wasn't even right. That's awesome. Oh, it so, was most definitely not right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but it you was found really, the fun. Yeah. It was joyful. It was great. And uh, eventually we caught up to the real things too. But uh, even then we never had modules or anything. So I have this habit. I'm, I'm always relying more on the GM than probably most people do. Mm -hmm. But the the zine acknowledges this and there are tools in it for the GM to set very unique and intriguing uh, premises for their game. And what I mean by it is that replicating people is not a story on its own. It's not right. quite enough to hook people in. What I want, but if you think of like John Carpenter's The Thing, it wasn't just a creature replicating people. It was a, a research facility in the Arctic and it was isolated and there were the dogs and there was, and already just the premise would let your brain just run 100 miles an hour. You, mm -hmm. you just know that there's so much you can explore there. Even if you were the creature, like how do you sp split people up? And so the first couple of scenes really depend on the GM's idea. They have to sort of plant these seeds where the organism can thrive and move on. And of course, there are some example not scenarios because I, I feel like that almost defeats the spirit. But uh, right now I'm just referring to them almost like taglines, just things that sort of. Uh, just to give you an example, just so your listeners can envision more of a specifics of it. Like, I like ideas that obviously would make it harder to replicate people. So. hospitals where people are monitored constantly with mm -hmm. machines or like small religious sects or cults where people are paired up. There are these places where you have a chaperone at all times. And very intimate settings. Intimate settings and it's, and you're still, I really want the game to start with describing the environment. What does it feel to touch things mm -hmm. for the first time? The temperatures, the I really want to make the mundane almost feel alien because it is for the organism. There is not even a character. It's just, it's only 
impression is through the person they copied. So it's, mm -hmm. I'm sorry if it's so abstract, but it, I promise no, no, you it no. makes sense on paper. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying that essentially it's not a game about going into the dungeon and killing the dragon and being a hero. It's really a game of figuring out what it's like being human. And I think that's very, that's a very interesting approach. Um, and I definitely see the appeal. Um, where's the horror part? Are, are you afraid or are you the horror in this game? Um, well, fantastic question because uh, the mechanics are, as I mentioned, are really focusing on you not understanding the spectrum of emotions that disconnect. And the organism gets better as it goes. Mm-hmm. But initially, you get penalties as a player if you use language that's overtly emotional. Because it means you're almost trying too hard and you, uh, what you are trying to avoid as a player is to enter the uncanny valley as the, when you're doing something that's off and people take notice and take a double take or Right. on you and that, that's what you're trying to avoid and the horror is probably for the players is really just almost with the coldness sort of guiding this organism through the overtaking of people and yeah and i think the stuffing into pods and hiding the pods and organizing that, that... yes and i'm I, I did mention, I think, at the beginning that I'm a horror writer. Strangely enough, I've never been particularly interested in actually scaring my audience. Mm. And I always say that's sort of probably the worst uh, sales pitch for a horror writer. But I always, I really just wanted to make things that are intriguing. And I, that is sort of the feeling I want to leave people with like that, huh? <laughs> like, which yeah, is yeah. A, a weird thing to aim for that that's what excites me as a person and i love these settings and the dressing of the horror genre i love creatures and castles and howling at the moon all of that i just love but it's I'm, funny you say yeah. you say that because that movie arrival came out a couple years ago and it was a horror movie that didn't set out to have like tons of jump scares and to be Super horrific, but it was very creepy. <laughs> um, the one where they're trying to crack the language of the yeah, aliens. Right, right, right. I I have such love for the any science fiction that actually dabbles into a real science. Mm -hmm. And my sister studied linguistics in college and uh, or university. She will text me later, like, "What have you done?" Uh, but <laughs> I always that, so that's why there are not a, a lot of horror or science fiction stories that do linguistics, and that's one of the excellent ones. I love how deep it dove into the the way language works. It's mm -hmm. it's a wonderful movie. Um, what kind of uh, support do you give for game masters in this? You were saying that. Um, 
you come from a background where sometimes people don't always get the game. It's funny. Um, I think even, you know, being a native English speaker, I have jumped into so many games where we figured out four sessions in, oh, we had been doing it wrong. <laughs> so <It> definitely <laughs> happens. I think, I think that's part of like the hobby. Um, what kind of support do you give for GMs to get the feelings in the game that you as the designer um, intend? I, well, I'm not even that uh, attached to the GMs going in that direction. Mm -hmm. What I really want to do is allow them to imagine the next step in any way they would love or they would hope that it would go. Uh, there is no real specific, there are some specific quote-unquote biology rules for the organism or the creature that everybody plays, but I do want the GMs to even, if they want to make it creepier or anything, I, I really want to set them up with the, that would allow them to think through what these sessions could be. Uh, I And I do, uh, I know it's a little bit sometimes hard to articulate and I promise this game is not that weird. <laughs> I, I feel like I made it sound too weird, but I really wanted to, I think the one thing that would kill the game is if the players and the GM look at each other saying like, we're not sure what to do. Like right. we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing. And I want to create an environment and uh, a game that really frees up that nervousness about not knowing what to do. And if you want to add very specific, like you could, you could try to make. Uh, I'm not sure where I was going. I'm so sorry, but yeah, it's okay. So you, can, you can do anything. You can do anything and there's support for the GM to achieve those goals. Yes, yes. Uh, the rule system is very simple and I think it will be easy to implement in uh, for different tones of the game. Mm -hmm. And even the gameplay is sort of broken down to three phases of this quote-unquote invasion, alien invasion. Uh, the invasion is meant to be interpreted almost like an invasive species of plants overgrowing a forest. It's not like aliens landing and trying to eradicate us. I didn't want it to feel like a war story or right. that. It's, it's more like a spreading of a fungus. But there are different phases and I almost feel like the three main touchstone movies of the genre that inspired me, which are Invaders from Mars, the 1986 remake by Toby Hooper, mm -hmm. uh, one of the most influential movies of my childhood because I was the age of the main character when I saw mm -hmm. it and it really spoke to me. John Carpenter's The Thing, and of course the 1978 remake of Invaders, uh, sorry, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And each phase almost takes a different little slice of these movies. One of my uh, 
favorite moments sort of that gave the initial inspiration for the tone to shift to was in Invaders from Mars. And I'm going to just very briefly describe it. This young boy wakes up in the morning and his parents have been body snatched and the parents are packing him breakfast to take to school or lunch. And they pack him like just cubed up meat that they uh, burnt to crisps and mm -hmm. it's like eating charcoal and they take a bite and they pack it. And of course the boy knows that something is wrong. And that is just so gut-wrenching. But also I realized that from a, the creature's point of view, they got so close because they they knew like <laughs> it's almost laughable really right 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 because they knew that they were supposed to pack this kid food and they got to the fridge and they got real food they weren't packing him shoes or anything like that yep. just food and they knew that they were supposed to cook it and it, they cooked it and they if you squint they did everything right but they in the game it would be they rolled wrong and it, it right. just shifted into the eerie and yeah that Uncanny moment, Valley. I just felt like that's like that. That's an intriguing thing to experiment with. And then the second phase is more like the thing where it's like a. It's not that it's isolated, but before you spread out, you're trying to learn the human behaviors. So you're trying to create a an area where there's like a big saturation of doppelgangers, and you're just sort of taking over either a school, small town a block in a city, an apartment building, cruise ship, anything that GM comes up with, but it's like, it's very, it's a, a definable size. Like it's just the right, next right, step. Right. It's, and then the third phase, it gets kind of global and then you're trying to, uh, at that point you're trying to stop the remaining humans, because even if you're amazing at replicating people, by the time you get to 60% of the population replaced, the jig is up. Like, there's no way people didn't notice. So because you are a hive mind, you do have a almost like a sixth sense to feeling the underlying anxiety mm -hmm. of the remaining population. And there's a me mechanics that measure this anxiety is called disquiet. And when it reaches the tipping point, that's like in a movie, that would be when the remaining people drop the nukes. Like when they know that if we don't burn this ground down to the ground, it will, we will lose. Mm -hmm. So that desperation factor is what you're playing against. By then the replication is almost automatic but now you're focusing on the people who are working on stopping you. And that's when also like a little twist, some of the players at that point could be humans who are pretending to be part of the hive mind to find you out and undermine right, you. Infiltrate. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the invasion of the body snatchers came in for tone, because that's one of the things people could do motions and sort of get by unnoticed hmm. so it, it sort of covers the whole spectrum of the subgenre hopefully it's very interesting um i don't want to keep you but i'm curious 
uh, I have read that a lot of this body snatcher stuff was really amplifying emotions in society. And so the 1970s film was about communism. The 1980 film, The Thing, was about um, HIV and disease. The, um, and, you know, as I think about it, you know, there are a bunch of films out today and I haven't heard the, the, the people with the think pieces talk about, you know, why Marvel's Secret Invasion and Us and They Clothe Tyrone are happening right now. Um, what, what anxiety are you getting at? I, uh, it's, I genuinely mean it that it wasn't intentional. I wasn't trying to like yeah. put my uh, feelings into this game, but I do, when I write something, I, at one point I step back and trying to see what it's about. And recently I moved from Chicago to a smaller rural town. And I've been living in the United States my entire adult life. I just have the accent and it's never going to go away. Right. I don't mind it. I, uh, it's part of who I am and I'm very comfortable with it. But uh, people where I live now, they're not used to hearing somebody have an accent. And I notice that if I walk into a store, if I do my business, until I open my mouth, I thousand percent pass as a natural born American. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I open my mouth, I just see in people's eyes the othering. And this is not, I've never had anything mean happen to me. I'm very lucky. It's not a judgment on the community I live in. But there's a moment. Uh, and a, a small sense of being found out. Exactly. And and uh, it's not like I'm pretending to be American. I, I am an American citizen and I feel very comfortable living here. And it gave me pause. It's been so long. Because in Chicago, trust me, nobody cares. About, like Everybody right. has an accent. It's probably the most diverse city I've ever lived in. And it was just such a stark, like, I was like, oh, I, I forgot that I was other, quote unquote. And... And then I realized that the same time I was working on this game that strangely focused in on the social part of it. So I don't know how well it translates. I do feel that people who might be uh, on the spectrum and have a, a disconnect with reading other people's or social cues, or even if you just have anxiety about reading a room, mm -hmm. I feel like this game has some element where pro hopefully in a, a an entertaining and not too traumatic way but you could sort of play with this notion of learning how how to navigate people yeah i think it's something a lot of people are dealing with in 22 2022 and 2023 after COVID, because i think some of us got out of practice i'm raising my hand as one <laughs> <laughs> I, it is crazy. Even our dogs, and I, uh, this might sound weird, but we adopted a dog shortly before COVID and the lockdown, and he still 
he, he just wasn't used to meeting new people. Mm-hmm. So every time somebody comes into our home or he meets somebody, it's still a huge deal. And he's still yeah, his yeah. dog still loses his mind. And I do believe it's because for two years he wasn't really exposed to the experience of going out and meeting people. So I and I agree, I, I was also a little bit rusty when it was time to go out again. And it's, I'm mm-hmm. not even sure if it's time to go out again, but we just did it. You know? Don't get me started. So, different... <laughs> so, that, so there, there's the communal social anxiety. We just, yeah. we just figured it out. It's going back after COVID. Uh, uh, that, yeah, put that, put it that in your press. Okay. <laughs> I'll send you a, a percentage of everything I make from here on. You know, <laughs> don't don't worry about that. Um, speaking of which, um, are there any actual plays where people can see you play this game? Uh, not yet. Uh, this game is still under construction. Is how I like to phrase it. Yeah. Like it is currently on Kickstarter, and it's. Done to the it's 80% done. We're fine tuning, we're tinkering with it. It's uh, we tested mechanics, but I was I wasn't quite ready to put the actual play out into the world. But I, mm-hmm. it's definitely coming with the game because I do recognize that there's a little bit of a you just have to maybe you just have to see it to make it easier to go down, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, I look forward to it. Um, you mentioned that there's a Kickstarter going on. Uh, when does it end? It ends in 28 days. And okay. I know that a date would have been more useful because people listening won't be listening today, right at this moment. So <laughs> I am an extremely professional uh, game designer and Kickstarter of runner. You and I'm going to look you're, it up. You're, right. you're a game <laughs> I'm designer. so sorry. You're- you're overwhelmed and you're doing everything. <laughs> yes, I will be honest with you. It's a, uh, it's a great joy. I'm, I'm very privileged. I don't quite do this for a living. I, I'm, uh, I would love to, but I, I can do it just for the love of the hobby mm-hmm. and the joy of creating. And I really don't. Uh, I promise myself I will only do it as long as it's a fun experience so i'm trying not to get too overwhelmed by anything and the campaign ends on the 13th of september there we go and i remember i meant to pick like a a spooky number so i figured 13 is good so the 13th is a good day yes well um and what website can people go to or are you on twitter uh i am on twitter i am i do have a newsletter too and uh which People should check out. It. It's fun, uh-huh. uh, but probably the easiest place to find me uh, is my website, which is well. I'm actually going to give people the website for my small press, which is not because my personal site is my name spelled, and it's just nobody's going to type it up. I can already. I wouldn't type it up. But my small press is called Strangers from Nowhere, okay. so it's strangersfromnowhere.com takes you to my small press where my previous books uh, can be found and linked to the Kickstarter and they can check out my newsletter and my other socials. Cool. 
great chatting with you, Laszlo. Good luck with your Kickstarter. And uh, this sounds like a really innovative and evocative game you got here. Thank you so much. And I, I do love listening to your show. I do want to make a point of letting the people who put in the hard work to make these shows know. And uh, I think a lot of listeners like myself have a hard time making that step to actually reach out. So I do want to take this opportunity to let you know, I do listen religiously and I really, it brought me great pleasure to hear all the fantastic interviews and ideas and creators on your show. So thank you for doing that. I I'm I, I feel flattered. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I'm new here. There's a guy named Tom who was here before, and he did a great job. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to fill the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be part of the shoe filling process. I love yep. it. I, I, I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm trying to not fall into the uncanny valley of a of a <laughs> of a pod people. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laszlo. You have a great one. Thank and good you. luck again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.